You know, joy is at the very heart of what we celebrate at Christmas, and that's reflected by how many of the Christmas hymns and carols we love to sing say something about joy. Just this morning we've sung Joy to the World, uh, The Lord is Come, and we sang in the song, O Come, All You Faithful, to come with joy or come joyfully. And you can flip through your uh, hymn book and you can find any number of Christmas carols or Christmas songs or Christmas hymns that urge us uh, to an attitude and a heart of joy. And the truth is that uh, joy is at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. Joy is to characterize the life of a believer. Over and over again, the Bible admonishes us as God's people to joy. You know, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he says, I tell you, rejoice. And joy is at the very center of what we found in our text this morning of the message of the angel to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born. Behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy. Well, experiencing joy, however, can be a challenge for the believer. Uh, I've said to you before that, you know, you ought to find more joy here in the church and in your life as a believer than you find anywhere else or any other experience in life. But so often that is not the case. And there are a couple of reasons for that, I think. One, one problem is that we talk a lot about imperatives in the church, don't we? That is, we focus a lot on the do's and the don'ts of the Christian life. Quite often we preach and teach about the duties that are ours as God's people more than we do the blessings that are ours as the children of God. And we spend as much time talking about the indicative, that is, who we are in Christ, as we do the imperative, that is, what we are to do for Christ we probably would find a little bit more joy in our walk with Christ. The other problem is that we, to be honest, have the wrong idea about joy. We tend to connect joy with happiness or with excitement or with enthusiasm. That mentality has done a great disservice to the church and to the body of Christ. You see, godly joy is not a giddy kind of happiness, a light-hearted frivolity, constantly putting on a happy face. Now the joy that comes from Jesus and the joy the angel talked about to the shepherds is much deeper than that. It's much more profound than that. It's not dependent upon your circumstances and it transcends your daily experiences. So I would submit to you that Christmas time is a good time. To rethink what it is to have joy, to have joy in the Lord, and to know the joy that Jesus gives. And that's my goal this morning as we look at this text in particular, the message of the angel to the shepherds, as we focus upon the joy of Christmas. Three things I want to bring out from this text for you. And first, I think it'd be helpful again uh, just to lay out the setting of the text that is before us. And I'm sure you're all. Uh, familiar with it, there were a group of shepherds who were out in the fields watching over their flocks by night. 
You know, shepherds were not among the social elite in Palestine. In fact, they were on the opposite end of the spectrum. Shepherding was hard work. It was a boring, lonely job involving long hours sitting out uh, in the fields, making sure that the sheep were protected and didn't wander away. For the most part, the only social interaction that shepherds had was with each other. And so if anyone could use a little joy in their lives, it was these uh, men who spent their time out in the fields watching over the sheep. Well, something happened that night that changed their lives. They were suddenly confronted by an angel. And not only was there this angel, but the text tells us that there was also with the angel the glory of the Lord that shone around them. Now, I I can't explain to you this morning how dramatic that was. I can tell you that whatever idea you have of it in your mind, it's not sufficient. Because whatever the glory of the Lord is, it is indescribable. You know how bright the sun is. How impossible it is even to gaze or to look at the sun. God made the sun. And his glory must transcend to the nth degree the brightness of the sun that he made. We get a kind of an inkling of it in, in the life of Moses, don't we? Remember, Moses had the audacity one day to ask God to show him his glory. And God said, Moses, there's just a little problem with that. No one can see me and live. But God did condescend to Moses. And you remember he hid him in the cleft of the rock. He shielded him with his hand. And then he allowed, the Bible says, his back parts, his backside, as it were, to pass by Moses. And what Moses saw was just really a reflection of the glory of God. But it was so powerful and so dramatic that when Moses came down off the mountain, the people could not look at him. They were afraid to look at him because his face was shining so brightly because he had been in the presence of the glory of God. And here in Luke 2, we're told that the fields were illuminated. They were shining with the glory of God. The text says the glory of God shone around them. Now aside from the glory of God that was manifested, one of the truly remarkable things about the birth of Jesus is that the angels appeared to these men at all. And it ought to be a real encouragement to people like you and me. When the birth of Jesus was announced, it wasn't announced to the scribes or to the Pharisees or to other religious leaders or to those with political power. The birth of Jesus was announced to common folk, just average guys. The angel came to a group of shepherds 
keeping watch over their flock by night. That's the setting. Second, I want you to see the message that the angel brought to the shepherds that night. Because in the midst of all the brightness of this glory of God, in in the brightness of the light that lit up the fields that night, the angel spoke. More comforting, more encouraging, and more hopeful words have never been spoken. So if you're troubled by what you're going through today, if you are discouraged by the events taking place in your life, if you are without hope for the future, I want you to pay particular attention because these words are for you. What did the angel say? The heart of what the angel said, of course, is found in verse 10, where he says, I bring you good news of great joy. We all like good news, don't we? Sometimes someone might come to you and say, well, I've got good news and bad news. And what do you normally say? Give me the good news first. You know, we're always kind of looking for, for good news. And in our day of modern technology, you know, we've got news at our fingertips, don't we? Whether it be on your phone or your laptop or your, uh, I don't even know all the tablets, is that whatever, whatever other things, you all have, them, uh, have those things. You know, you can, you can have, news is readily available. Whether it be the score of a game or uh, how the start mocker's doing or uh, uh, other current events that you may be interested in, you know, you can punch here or you can tap there or touch over this place and you can get all kinds of news. And what you're looking for is good news, isn't it? I am. I want to know that my team's ahead and they're winning the game. I want to know that things are going well in the world. I'm not looking for bad news. I'm looking for good news. Well, the angel told the shepherds, good news. He said, I've got good news for you. And this good news is going to bring you and all the world great joy. What is this news? Well, it is what we know as the gospel The word that is translated good news here is the same word that is translated other places gospel. In fact, when remember in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, he used the same word that the angel used here. He said, I'm not ashamed of the good news. You see, Christmas is all about the gospel. It's all about the good news of Jesus' birth. And look with me at verse 11, where the angel gives the content of this good news. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In the more familiar King James Version, of course, it is unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is the good news, folks. 
That is the gospel. You know, these shepherds were just common men. But they weren't ignorant. They were Jewish men. Probably grew up in going to the synagogue. Studying the Old Testament scriptures. Learning of many of the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. You see, that was the great hope of the Jews. The Jews knew that God had promised to send someone to deliver them. And they were looking for that one to come and set them free from their submission to the Roman government. Now, those hopes had waned a little bit because there had been no prophetic message for 400 years. God had been silent. And during that period of silence, the Jews began to wonder, think, and yet, in the midst of those prophecies that I'm sure these shepherds had studied as young people, including those in those prophecies was something about the little village of Bethlehem. That the angel refers to in our text as the city of David. And so when the angel said to them something about the city of David, if something happening in Bethlehem, it would have gotten these men's attention. But notice that the angel did not say to these shepherds that there had been sent to them a deliverer, a conqueror, a soldier, a man of military might. No, the good news, the good news was about a baby. A baby who was born who would be the Savior. A baby who was born who one day would save us from the consequences of our sin. You know, that's what the angel, probably this same angel, had said to Joseph some nine months before when he learned that Mary was expecting a child and the angel said, go ahead and take Mary as your wife for the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the angel is saying to the shepherds here. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now if that doesn't strike a chord in your heart, if that doesn't appear to you this morning as terrific news, then you've probably never grasped the reality of sin and the consequences that come from your sin. You see, sin is real. It began in the Garden of Eden, and Carrie White was talking about that in Sunday school this morning. It began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they ate the forbidden fruit, and it has been passed down to us generation after generation. The Bible says all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. 
goes on to say, if we say we have not sinned, we call God a liar. And the Bible also says that we were dead, lifeless in our trespasses and sins. You see, the problem of sin is real. And that's why the birth of Jesus is such good news and brings such great joy. It's because the birth of Jesus is designed to deal with our sin. Jesus came to deal with our sin problem to save us from our sins. You see, Jesus came to rescue the perishing, to save the lost, to forgive sinners. And here's the point. If you've never really realized that you are perishing, if you've never grasped the fact that you are lost, if you've never admitted that you are a sinner, then the news of Jesus' birth probably doesn't bring you all that much joy. Probably doesn't seem like such good news to you. Oh, you'll approach Christmas with a, with a kind of so what attitude. Good opportunity to do some decorating. Exchange some gifts. But it doesn't really do anything for you personally. But when you realize the darkness of your own heart, the self-centeredness with which you live your life, and the sin that trips you up every day, when you realize that you fall short of the glory of God, folks, there is no better news than this. In fact, you know, this is not just good news. The angel really made an understatement, didn't he? This is great news. This is the best news that was ever given. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's the message. That's the gospel. That's the good news that the angel brought that night. And then third, I want you to see the impact of this message from the angel. You see, this news is not just news. It's not just something that we are to, to learn with our, our minds or to understand with our intellect. No, this news of the gospel, this good news is dynamic. It is powerful. It is life-changing. When Paul said back in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he went on to explain why. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Do you grasp that? It is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth, what he did in his life and on the cross and from the grave. that changes our lives, that makes us new creatures in Christ, that gives us the hope and the assurance of eternal life. And that's the joy we find in the good news of Jesus' birth. I want you to know this morning, there is joy in Christmas. 
There is joy in knowing Jesus. There's joy in, in knowing that your sins are forgiven. There's joy in being reconciled to God. There's joy in having peace with God. There is joy in being adopted into God's family and being God's child. There is joy in being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But what does this joy do? What does it do for you? What's the impact of this joy in your life? Well, the Bible says that it gives you strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, some of you are going through some hard times, facing some difficult experiences. Some of those are on our prayer list, and some of those are so difficult you can't even speak them. And we don't know them. And you feel very weak in the face of them. But it is the joy of the gospel. It is the joy of Jesus. It is the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. It helps you along with that as you deal with your trials and hardships in life. What did James say? James says, consider it all what? Joy. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials because we know that God is using those trials and difficulties to mold us and to shape us into what he wants us to be. That's the joy of the gospel. It helps you read God's word more faithfully. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would imagine more than one of you find it hard to be consistent and regular in reading the Bible. But the Bible itself says the joy of the Lord, the joy of the gospel makes us want to read it. Jeremiah said, your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. It helps you in times of grief and sorrow. Jesus said, your, joy, your grief will be turned to joy. It, it shows that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. You know, in the book of Acts, we're told the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Putting those two things together and... Of course, Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. But as I conclude this morning, I want to show you two things from the text that this message of joy did for the shepherds. One is that it led them to a path of obedience. The, the angel told them in verse 12, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The angel said, you will find a baby. What did the shepherds do? Verse 15. We didn't read this part, but verse 15. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. The angel said, you'll find a baby. And the shepherd said, we better get going. The good news of the gospel, of the birth of Jesus, led them to a path of obedience. 
And that's what the gospel does. That's what the good news does. It leads us to a path of obedience because disobedience takes our joy away. The desire of a believer is to please God. Nothing should give you more joy than living your life in a way that pleases Him. The gospel brings you to a path of obedience. And the other thing that it did for them was it led them to worship. Look at verse 20. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. They had seen the Savior. They had seen the Christ child. Now they didn't understand all that it meant, but they understood enough to know that God was keeping his promises, he was fulfilling his prophecies, and he was doing something marvelous among them. And the gospel, the good news, the joy of it, led them to worship, to glorify, and to praise God. You see, it's the joy of the gospel that is to drive our worship the joy we find in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us transforms our worship from something that's just a duty and an obligation. It's Sunday morning. It's the Lord's day. I've got to get up. I've got to get dressed. I've got to go to church. It transforms you from that to saying, God has sent a Savior. I have the opportunity to go and worship him for all that he has done for me. True worship, you see, is response to the good news of the gospel. Now again, you need to understand the biblical definition of joy. Joy is not happiness. They are not the same. Joy is not laughter. Joy is not just putting on a a happy face, a smiley face, and pretending that it doesn't hurt. True joy is resting in God's promises and trusting in God's providence. Let me say that again, just in case you were dozed off for a second. True joy, true gospel joy is resting in God's promises and trusting in God's providence. Sometimes you are emotionally broken by the circumstances of life. I have been with some of you when you have been simply reduced to tears by the events taking place in your life and some of you have been with me. in the same situation. Does that mean that we do not have the joy of the Lord at that moment? Do you not think Jesus had the joy of the Lord when he stood and wept by the tomb of his friend? The joy of the Lord is knowing that God knows what he's doing. 
And the gospel, the good news shows us that God loves us enough not just to send us a Savior, but always to do what He knows is best and right for us. Joy. Godly, biblical joy is resting in God's promises and trusting in God's providence. The birth of Jesus is good news, isn't it? Folks, it's the best news I can bring you today. And it's good news that brings great joy. So my question is, do you have it? Do you know it? Does it hold up your life, no matter what God in his providence may bring your way? If you waver, remember again the message of the angel the shepherds that night. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for good news today. Good news of the gospel. Good news of the birth of a Savior. And I pray that you would give us all the joy that comes from knowing him. We ask it in his name. Amen. Our closing hymn uh, this morning is, What Child Is This? Let's stand together.